Ace's the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ramil. We are continuing along with our player preview two-a-day series. Today we're going to talk about Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. Uh, same format as last week's shows that we kicked off with. Uh, we'll start with one major stat or number. We'll talk about something that they need to improve on. We'll do a fill-in-the-blank segment, a best-case and worst-case scenario, compare them to a player in Heat history, uh, what we're saying about them in the 2018 preview, we'll compare them to a chain restaurant, and then we'll play FTK as well before predicting what their stats might be for next season. So um, let's get right into it for the first one, David. Uh, we'll start with Goran Dragic. What's your one number or stat? Well, um, for the Slovenian national champion there, I, I went with 130. Uh, and that statistic is the number of shooting fouls drawn, the second most in his career. 134 fouls is what he drew in the 13-14 season where he made the third-team All-NBA, but he played 200 minutes more during that season. So for me, that was one of the things that really stood out. We've talked about it before, but Goran has impeccable timing and drawing fouls. Um, you know, Not necessarily the most physical player, but perhaps one of the smartest as far as how he uses his body. And in this particular case, how he uses it to draw fouls was something that uh, really stood out to me. I had 11.5, which marks how many potential assists he had per game last year, mm. uh, which is right up there with Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, and Kemba Walker. So when we're talking about point guards and what they do for their offenses, uh, as far as facilitating and getting them, in, getting them into the offense and just and just being the motor behind it, Dragic is right there with those with those three guys. It's, you know, you look at a guy like Isaiah Thomas who did so much for Boston's offense, or Kemba Walker who was really the entire Charlotte Hornets offense for so many games. Dragic is right there as far as potential assists goes, and what a potential assist yeah. is for those who are listening that don't know, it's those it's passes that could lead into assists. They don't normal they don't necessarily lead to an assist because the player might miss a shot, but that's not really up to Dragic, right? It's more about those good passes that should or could lead to an assist, and that's what Dragic does. So if a few more shots drop, um, he might have a couple more assists a game. So potential assists yeah. is a really good way to look at how a player does as far as facilitating. And that, to me, is what stuck out for Dragic because we know how crafty of a scorer is. You, you were talking right. about how he can draw a foul. But we often overlook how good he is just as a playmaker. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because he's not necessarily considered around the league as a good playmaker or somebody at a high level like that. But he certainly is among one of the top playmakers, just perhaps you know surrounded by teammates that don't necessarily capitalize on those playmaking abilities. Uh, what was your one thing to improve? Well, it was a flip side of the other statistic that I point out. For me, it was 69 shots that he had blocked. Hmm. Um, you know, that was one of the things that we saw, you know, when he was curling around his screen trying to draw that three-point foul. He did it on a number of occasions, but there were also times, too, where he got kind of caught up in the air and he had those shots blocked. And that's, you know, to me, it was 
he's just not athletic enough, to be honest with you. He's not necessarily the tallest point guard. He's not going to be a Russell Westbrook or anything like that. And, you know, obviously that's on the extreme end of the spectrum. Um, but when he doesn't draw the foul, he kind of hangs there, doesn't really get much air time, and has a tendency to get his shot blocked as well. So, you know, it's not necessarily something that he's going to change dramatically, but he has to, I think, fine-tune that understanding of when to pull up for a shot. He looks for fouls a lot. He makes contact a lot, but at the same time, he doesn't always get those foul calls. Uh, you know, I talked to him about it. He just kind of shrugs it off at this point. He has no reason to believe that that's going to change, right. but... I think he has to make that kind of improvement, understanding that he's not necessarily going to get the foul call and not put himself in a situation where he can get a shot blocked. So I've got free throw shooting uh, as his yeah. improvement. He's a 79% free throw shooter, which is towards the high end of his career. He was 79% last season. Uh, Pat Riley has said he wants him to get at 80 because he thinks he can, this guy Dragic has the talent to be a 50-40-90 type player. And um, yeah. it's that free throw shooting that's that's kind of falling back. I don't think he can become a 90% th- free throw free throw shooter it's just not something he's done in his career but 80 percent right. is would be really good and uh especially if he starts drawing more and more fouls uh, that's a big thing yeah. that would be huge all right um i've got to fill in the blank for you sounds good goran dragic is the blank point guard in the nba Ooh, <laughs> that's that's a tough one because you can be filling that one in a number of ways there, like as far as his overall <laughs> ranking. Um, you know, I, I like a word that you just pointed out before, and to me, that's that's crafty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could I think I could fill that in with craftiest. You know, I think he's he's making the most of what he's got. I, I you know, talking to him and having kind of picked his brain a little bit and, and seeing how he understands how to approach these, each game, it's it's clear that he understands his physical limitations and what he can and can't do particularly well. And he's just figured out a way to, to capitalize on what abilities he does have. And I think part of that is, you know, the mentorship from Steve Nash that we talked about before, but he also told me how much Grant Hill was a mentor for him early in his days in Phoenix. And, and that's something that really stood out. So I think crafty or craftiest is probably a good word to apply to Guam. Good. Well, if you want to be crafty when you're purchasing your tickets... That's a really easy way to do it. It's by using SeatGeek. If you're anything like me, you just the idea of having to purchase tickets just anxiety sits in, right? You're just I don't I don't want to get ripped off, and now I have to do all this research. It's like homework, and I don't want to do homework anymore. SeatGeek doesn't make it like homework. SeatGeek does the work for you. Uh, they make buying tickets to sports concerts, uh, operas, comedy shows easier than ever. Uh, they are the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience. You could buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person. And the Miami Heat season is coming up, guys. Start to start uh, getting those tickets for those uh, big home games. Uh, I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way that i found to shop for tickets. I could be anywhere. In just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to anything I want to go to. Uh, they are designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals and to get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you could shop for tickets with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do, download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LONBA, that's promo code LONBA, 
and you can get twenty dollars off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Nice, nice. I'll probably be using that in the, in the near term future there because uh, you know my favorite band just announced their New Year's Eve plans. Ooh. They're going to be having a, a four set concert in New York City at the Madison Square Garden. So I'm thinking of going up there for a few shows. That would be awesome. That's that's a dream. That's something I'm really looking forward to. I got you know the the most fans agree that the biggest concert of all time, like the best concert of all time, was actually uh, in '99, 2000 for New Year's Eve when they had Big Cypress, mm-hmm. the the national park, and they had a hundred thousand people there oh to bring in the, the yeah to bring in Y2K. That was a huge undertaking. It was like a, a four-day camping experience plus concerts. Their last set, you know, that's kicked off at midnight on New Year's Eve, went all the way to six o'clock in the morning the following day. It was wow. amazing. Yeah. So, but I've never been to Madison Square Garden, so I'm looking forward to it. I was going to ask you if you've ever been there. So, yeah, I know, like, yeah. Uh, doesn't like Billy Joel do like a concert like every month there or something? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought he was going to be doing one for New Year's. So I, I thought Fish was coming to Miami. I was super stoked for that. Unfortunately, Madison Square Garden. Well, that's a change of plans. But as long as I get to see the boys, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we did the uh, fill in the blank. Next is best case, worst case scenario for Goran Dragic. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, what was your best case scenario for him? I'm curious what you thought. I had Kyle Lowry. Um, and I'm not really sure what I meant by that, but as far as, <laughs> look, their numbers are very similar. Um, yeah. they, but I do feel like Lowry within the last couple seasons is getting that respect that he kind of deserves as far as a recognition on a Absolutely. national landscape, you know, because before that, I mean, these Lowry and Dragic are guys, they were teammates, but, um, yeah, Lowry was, uh, before, like, I, I want to say like two or three years ago, he was kind of just overlooked. And really, oh, yeah. since the Raptors have been making playoff runs, he's gotten a lot more respect and uh, and recognition as one of the top point guards in the East. So for me, this is, if Dragic just does what he does, right, and he kind of improves those things that we were talking about earlier, he should. he's a better defensive point guard than he gets credit for. Um, yeah. Just like and, Lowry uh, started getting credit for his defense. And I, I just, Pat Riley's recent press, he pointed yes. out how Dragic is a solid defender, which is impressive. If you haven't listened to our uh, press conference breakdown, we recorded it late on Friday. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and find it because that was a kind of a weird time that we published it. But um, so, yeah, I think that would be the best case is if he kind of just keeps playing and improving where we know he's improving, you know, uh, getting better defensively as he has every year in Miami, continuing to be a crafty scorer, um, if not flashy. I, yeah. And if the but if the Heat make it to the playoffs and can make a little bit of a run in the playoffs, I think he'll start getting that recognition as one of the top point guards in the East. Uh, my worst. You know, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was worried about that, or I was thinking about that because that should have happened a couple seasons ago when he played so well in a couple of games during the Charlotte Hornets series. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. But he never really got much much publicity from it. And you know, Dwayne Wade had he, some really star making moments I think that's there. That's what it was. Yeah, it kind of overshadowed yeah. Dragic a little bit. And, you know, it's Wade's team. It was Wade's team. But, I mean, Dragic well, played really well game. out of big state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there were a couple other performances there. But Dragic was really consistent and good, I think. And, you know, it just unfortunately kind of overshadowed. But I think this is his team now. So, for me, his best-case scenario was well, one of the biggest concerns for me also is that he stays healthy. I mean, yeah. we, we've seen already that, that Slovenia took some – Wearing toll, and then when he was playing for the national team there, got cramps in the title-winning game. 
Uh, Pat Riley's already talked about the fact that Dragic is probably going to sit out a few days in camp to get some rest. I wonder how that'll go. Knowing Dragic, he'll probably want to go full steam right away. But I think at this point in his age and everything else, he got understand when to take breaks. And, and I think he's playing in good enough shape right now. He doesn't necessarily need to work out as heavily. But uh, he needs to maintain his, his three-point percentage, I think. That's another thing. Um, yep. You know, He shot at 40% last year. That's kind of on the high end. He has years where he kind of fluctuates. We saw in slow, when he played in the Euro Cup that he, he maintained that three-point shooting. I want him to stay at that level uh, during the NBA regular season as well. And, and you know, one of the things that we were asked in our last mailbag was whether or not Goran could be the team's leading scorer. Certainly a possibility, although you and I might think Dion is the most likely candidate for that. I think Goran can certainly be right up there. So that's another thing for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, if he leads his team in scoring, has a good record going into the new year. I could see him being an all-star considering, you know, the recent trades and everything else. There's a a good chance that maybe he'll be Miami's best chance at representation in the all-star game. I think that is the best case scenario is that he is represented at the all-star game. That would be, it would take a lot. It would take, it would take quite a, it would probably take 22 points a game or something like that. Sure. Um, Sure. At least five or six assists per game, but, and and the heat to have a, a winning record. But my worst case scenario is 2014-15 Goran Dragic. That's my worst case scenario. Uh, the year after his All NBA season, where he had a really great year, and then the next year he kind of dropped off. His efficiency numbers fell off a little bit. He just wasn't as effective. And uh, there's a number of reasons that go into that. That was his, that was the year in Phoenix where they acquired Isaiah Thomas and they drafted I think Tyler Ulis or something like that and. They just loaded up right. the backcourt with more point guards, and and they kind of got crowded, and no, none of the none of the guards played well, and that's why they ended up trading Isaiah Thomas and Goran Dragic, and um, but that to me would be the worst case scenario. His last last season was among was one of the best seasons Dragic has ever had. It was that one or the All NBA year. His numbers last season were comparable to his All NBA season, so I worry sure. about another an, a follow up you know slump. Uh, I don't think that would happen, but that's the worst-case scenario, I think. No, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, to me, you look at why he struggled so much is because Phoenix was juggling that three-guard lineup uh, with Eric Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas, as you pointed out. So is that, do you think, a possibility in Miami this year as well? With with trying to get Tyler more minutes maybe in the hope of shopping him around the trade deadline, with Dion signing that contract and possibly taking a bigger load or feeling like he has to take – a bigger load, you know, Josh Richardson, other guys, Wayne Ellington, you know, you've got a number of players there that you want to give minutes to. Do you think that that'll kind of chip away at how effective Gore could be and we could see, uh, uh, you know, something similar to what happened in 14-15? I think it's certainly in the cards, which is, I think, why I wrote it here, is there, there is so many guards. The difference with the Miami and what Phoenix is, Phoenix was very openly saying, we don't have one point guard. We have multiple point guards, right? They were... They were very reluctant to hand the reins to any of them, just as a, as the point guard on the team. Where Miami has basically said, we have one point guard and that's all we need, right? We have sure. Goran Dragic, everybody else is a secondary ball handler. So I think it's a little bit, it is a little bit different in I, just the way that they approach it. And I trust Eric Spolster to figure that out more than I trust, uh, who was the coach? Um, Hornacek. It was Hornacek, who's no longer even in Phoenix, because that was a failed experiment, basically. Um, right. So... I mean, there is a slight concern that that's why I have it here, but I ultimately I don't think that's that's what's going to happen. If you did, you have a worst case scenario? Did we already do that? I did. Yeah. I mean, and basically, basically, it's injuries. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. worried 
that his minutes from the summer will catch up to him. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, as we talked about in our last mailbag, you know, players train year round nowadays. They know how to rest better. I think he's in great shape. Uh, but it is a concern, you know, and, and moreover, not just impacting him this season. We could see wear and tear start to get at him and then possibly impact him not just this year, but for the rest of his career. He's under contract for a couple more seasons. And we don't want to see a diminished version of Goran at any point because he, he played at such a great pace last year. He was so effective and, and he's really coming into his own as a team leader. I just don't want to see that hindered in any way. So next is comparing Dragic to a player in Heat history. Ooh. That was tough. Was it? I think it was really easy. I think so. Oh, go for it. I want to hear uh, that. Tim Hardaway. Huh. There's you know, only only four players in Heat history have averaged 20 points and five assists per game in a season. LeBron James, Dwayne oh. Wade, Tim Hardaway, Goran Dragic. That makes sense. And to me, if you look at what Hardaway was able to do for those teams... Just, you know, be the leader of the offense, get everybody into sets, get everybody into the offense. But he was a, also a crafty, dynamic scorer. He could score in every way. Yeah. And I feel like Dragic, with the, if he can kind of, if he can maintain that three-point shooting clip from last year or something near it, he can be like that. He can, uh, he could, he could score in every way. You can't limit him from the three-point line, anywhere between the three-point line and the rim. And so... Yeah. If I'm go- it's not a perfect comparison, obviously. I think Hardaway right. was clearly right. flashier than Dragic, sure. but uh, as far as players in Heat history and what they mean to the team, I think I think I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, no, I, that one's a really solid one, and and I struggled with it too. I mean, for me, um, I, I guess I'm kind of looking more at overarching themes, not necessarily like direct player comparisons as See, far that's as how style or impact. Si- since we've been doing the two days, that's how you approach this question. And I've approached yeah. it just like as a straight player to player comp, which is good. It gives it like two different. You're looking at. I think you're looking at it as a bigger, broader angle, and I'm more limited in my viewpoint. So you're better than it's, that. Oh, no, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, for me, you know, it was it was hard not to separate, and perhaps this is a failing of mine. It's per, you know hard not to separate the fact that Goran Dragic, I think, is widely recognized as a white point guard, something that's a bit of a rarity. But I think there's also that element of him um, kind of being different than his perception, you know? And I think there are, there there is negative baggage. I think that a lot of people unfortunately still possess in viewing him that he doesn't get that kind of respect. You know, I was watching video of him and and it's amazing how players throughout his, even his seasons in Miami, just the past two and a half years, how players are willing to kind of just step to him and, and, and engage in a fight with him. And I know part of it is because Dragic is a feisty player, but I think there's a perception that you probably can take him because yeah. he's small, thinner, white. I, I mean, look at Jordan Clarkson last year. I mean, shoving him blatantly and, and just for no reason other than Goran was trying to establish position under the basket. I mean, I know there's probably more to it during the course of the game, and, and, and Goran is kind of a, a difficult player to guard and everything else, but I, it's just tough. But So for me, I went with Rex Chapman. Okay. Um, a guy that was kind of known for his perimeter shooting, shot 37% in Miami just one season, 35% for his career. But Sexy Rexy was an athletic, explosive dunker as well. He was a guy who could get to the rim. Uh, Not necessarily a tenacious defender, but he had his moments. And so he kind of surprised people. I was looking back at his scouting report, and a lot of people didn't expect him to make much of an impact out of Kentucky. But he wound up being, I think, playing for 12 seasons in the NBA and, and having a pretty solid career. So... 
for me, it's a, a guy who changes perception a little bit, has a little bit more dynamic aspects to his game that you might anticipate. And so for me, Chapman and Dragic are pretty similar. What are we saying during our 2018 preview? Uh, it's funny, you know, considering what we just mentioned, I said this is the best year of his NBA career and yet somehow still underappreciated. I said, would you rather have Goran Dragic or Isaiah Thomas? <laughs> oh, Ooh. Isaiah Thomas is... I think, look, he's going to be a free agent, right? And as a free agent, Heat fans are going to look at him and be like, is this somebody that we should take a chance on? We don't have an all-star player, barring that no major trades happen during the season. We don't have our star player. Isaiah Thomas is a star. But look, he's dealing with that hip injury. He might not even play for until a few months into this season. Uh, and we're going to have to see, can a small point guard like Isaiah Thomas, who's not even six feet tall, bounce back from an injury like that? And um, there's going to be a limited sample size on Isaiah Thomas this year, uh, mm-hmm. to, at some respect. And, and Goran Dragic is, like we said, overlooked, underappreciated. And that will be a question worth asking: Is wait, do we even would we prefer Isaiah Thomas over Goran Dragic? I think in maybe within two or three years, I don't know. I predict that Goran Dragic is going to be a better NBA player, more valuable NBA player than Isaiah Thomas. Despite yeah. and I love Isaiah Thomas, but despite. You know, this big season he had, it's just small point guards like him, and he relies so much on his athletic ability that once that goes, Dragic has been able to maintain a certain level of play because of that word we keep using. It's the word of the day, the craftiness uh, that he has. Uh, What chain restaurant is Goran Dragic? (laughs) This is... All right. I went with Cracker Barrel. Is that, like, racist? (laughs) I won't. Have you heard of Cracker Barrel? Yes. Of course. Okay. All right. No. All right. Well, I mean, I won't deny that there's a certain aspect of, of racial <laughs> or race, raciality. I'm not sure. Race, I guess, that to, to apply to it. To me, Cracker Barrel is you walk in past the the, the rocking chairs and oversized checkerboard tables, um, and you walk past the double wooden doors, and you find yourself in this gaudy super kitschy gift shop that just has this mm-hmm. potpourri of crap that people will buy in large quantities. I don't know. Everything from licorice sticks to they have, clocks shaped like horses with yeah. a cowboy hat on. I they mean, the I've seen all sorts sticks. of them. Well, there you go. There's so many of them. There's so many flavors. I love it. So, so you go into this gift shop and it's like, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. But then you finally get past that. And, and to me, very good, solid food, dependable service, and, and and to me, that's a lot like Goran Dragic. You know, it's like you got to get past the perception of what he might be mm. to find he is ultimately a really good, very dependable player. And and, and white people do love Cracker Barrel, and so they love <laughs> Goran Dragic. I love that. That's a great one. That might be better than mine. Thank you. Thank I, you. I've got Cheesecake Factory. Oh, finally making the return. Go yeah. ahead. It's, you know, it's. An older chain, you know, you think about the chain restaurants out there. It's one of the older ones, I think. It's been around. Everybody knows a Cheesecake Factory. They know they're closest to Cheesecake Factory. They're aware of it. Uh, it's overlooked, I think, as a restaurant. Like, I don't know anybody that... We have a Cheesecake Factory down the street, and I've never I've Gone never said, let's go to Cheesecake Factory. But it's always there, right? I always see it. Yeah. And it's not that I dislike it. It's just that I never think about it. And right. uh, But it's got an answer for everything. I mean, you look at that menu, it's like a novel... There's like an appendix yes. and a glossary, I think, in it. But it, it's like each each menu page has like thirty items on it, and it's, it's like, like at least it's size eight font. It's just like <laughs> yes, 
It's like, oh yes. my god, they have everything here. So to me, that's striking. It's like he's around. He's always been a point guard in the NBA. People are aware of Goran yeah. Dragic, but they never think about Goran Dragic. When you say, hey, list off your top ten point guards, nobody's ever going to be at like nine or ten and be like, you know, I could give Goran Dragic some. Nobody even thinks of Goran Dragic, and uh, but right. he's got an answer for everything, right? He's yeah. He's got a cheesecake like menu of moves. I like it. It's funny that I went Cheesecake Factory Dion. You went with Goran on yeah. that. That's why they, that's why they get along. Yeah, so it, it looks, that's my mom's preferred destination for her birthday. Every mm-hmm. year she wants to go to Cheesecake Factory. It's been going on like this for 15 years. It's that banana nut cheesecake. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not her favorite, but I'll, I'll pass it on next Does time. she have a favorite cheesecake? Uh, I think it's the Dutch apple one, to be honest oh, with you. That'd be good. Um, FTK. FTK. Um, I went with Keeper. I think uh, his contract is finally getting to that point where maybe a couple seasons ago, people thought, "Woo, you're kind of overpaying for him. Um, but I think it's become much more manageable for the kind of production we've gotten out of him. Uh, I think he's just he's becoming better and better and, and, and really established a good role for him to fill. And I, I can't see moving him. To be honest with you, even I was uh, against the idea of getting Kyrie Irving simply because Goran has played at such a high level and, and giving up possibly too much to get a guy like Irving. And I know that you felt like it was important to get a superstar whenever they're available. I wasn't so sold on Kyrie Irving. Not that I don't love him as a player, but I, I just am that high on Goran Dragic. So for me, he's a keeper. And his contract is at this point a bargain, right? Which is uh-huh. funny because when they first signed into that extension, people were wondering whether or not he was worth it. But then the cap spike happened for two years, you know, in a row, and and now that contract is a bargain for point guards. Absolutely. So uh, I have him as a keeper as well. Um, stat predictions. Well, you know, I actually kept his numbers pretty similar to what they were last year. I have him at nineteen point seven points per game. Uh, 2.9 rebounds, not a solid rebounder, but, you know, it's decent. Uh, 6.2 assists. I think I have him uh, upping his assist totals mm-hmm. a little bit because I think as he gets more comfortable with the players that surround him, I think he'll look to dish a little bit more. And 39.3% shooting from three-point range. I expect him to continue at the same level he was last year. I've got 22 points a game, 6.8 assists, and 50-40-80 and for his shooting clips. So I agree with you, except that I think he's going to have more points. I think look, you talked about the I, we both were agreeing for a while there that Deion Waiters will be the leading scorer. The more and more I watched, I don't, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I was watching Dragic in, in Eurobasket. Like, this guy needs to be the center of the. This guy needs to run the offense. This guy needs to be Miami's leading scorer. I think he's going to be. I just think he is just better than Deion Waiters. He's just better, and if that's if he is better. I think he needs to have he has to have a higher usage rate, significantly higher usage rate than Dion Waiters. I love Dion. Um, I think he's he's got a lot more potential, and he could potentially be better than Dragic. But uh, for right now, for what this team needs, I think Dragic's leadership and consistency is what's important. And if his usage rate is higher, uh, and where I think it should be. I think 22 points a game is real, really doable, and uh, he might be able to make that all-star team. Uh, all right. Interesting. Let's do Bam Adebayo. Mm. Uh, Not much to work with there given the, yeah. his one year in Kentucky, but uh, I think we'll make two. Uh, what, what's your one stat for, for Bam Adebayo? So I got 79.1%, and that was his free throw percentage during summer league at 9.5 attempts per game. Nice. 79% free throw shooting on almost 10 attempts per game during during summer league. 
but you don't have defenders on you during summer league when you're right. shooting free throws, just like in the NBA. It's the same. It's the same free throw line now. Maybe the lights and the competition in the in the arena could could throw a player off a little bit, but that 79% shows me that this guy can shoot the ball, right? And we've heard yeah. a lot in interviews since the Heat drafted him that Miami was surprised by how well he shoots the ball from three-point range even, that he made 60 out of 100 corner threes during a workout. That is an insane thing for this guy at this size, right. the way he looks. like He just doesn't look like a player who could shoot from the perimeter. But that certainly seems yeah. like what... You know, all the reports indicate that, and so that's seventy nine percent free throw shoot, three free throw percentage, and a free throw percentage is often the best indication of a good shooter. Is right. so it being at that clip at that volume shows me that this guy could shoot. What was your number? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I'll add something. That I think you know, in summer league, uh, I, I think that you're probably a little bit more wired, a little bit more jazzed up. Um, and I think it's harder for you to shoot at a high level mm. because you have all these scouts and everybody else watching you. It's your right. first real taste of NBA experience, even if it's just, you know, from the fan perspective and even from the critic perspective or the pundit perspective, you know, we tend to dismiss summer league a little bit, but I, these guys are nervous. I mean, there's a lot of energy. You've covered it. I've covered it. You see them out there. It means a lot to them, even if it doesn't necessarily mean as much to the casual fan. So the fact that he was able to shoot at such a high level, I think bodes well. And I agree with you hundred percent for me, it was along the same vein. The stat was 6.2 free throw attempts per game last year while he was at Kentucky. That's mm. an incredibly high number for a player he who did 6.2 was, free throws a game. Or was that per 36 or per 48 minutes or I, I think that was per game, actually. Wow. I think. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. I didn't that watch was a lot very of Kentucky, impressive. so okay. Yeah, I, I needed to die, so I found that stat on Basketball Reference, and uh, yeah, that was that was really stood out to me. So it shows that he can draw contact, that he uses his explosive athletic ability uh, very high, um, and, and I think he he just knows how to move around well in space, and I think that's something that will translate at the NBA level as well. So, what was your uh, one thing to improve? Well, uh, for me, it's something that we don't have enough of. Uh, that was, uh, you know, enough that was, that was of. per game. Free throw attempts per game. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. All right. Sorry. So for me, no, no, no worries. Uh, for me, it was his outside shooting, you know, because we're, mm. we're basing this off of his workouts, which yeah. are all fine and good. And again, you want to look into the free throw shooting. It's a good indicator of, of good shooting form. But we don't have enough of a sample size to say, yeah, he's definitely a three-point shooter. He wasn't that in Kentucky. Um, he, he hasn't had the opportunity to show that. He didn't really show that in summer league either. He didn't really have the opportunity. He was more of a playmaker, if you can believe. He was bringing the ball up um, and not necessarily spotting from outside. So you wonder if within context of this offense, as we've talked about before, look, they've got Kelly Olenek there. Um, they have James Johnson there, bigs that can spread the floor. And guys like Goron and, and Dion who can drive to the hoop and are looking for outside shooters. So you wonder if Adebayo gets playing time with these guys, whether or not he'll be able to to take advantage of that shooting ability that we have yet to see. I've got his shot selection, um, similar. But during Summer League, I thought he he would put up a couple shots that he probably shouldn't have. Um, his overall shooting percentages weren't that high as, as Summer League went on. And that was mainly because of, I think, poor shot selection, you know, where he probably should be finding a teammate to pass to. And he's a gifted passer, and, and I would like to see more of that. So as long as when he is on the court, he doesn't end up trying to show that he can shoot and just, you know, take take what the game gives you, right? Take what the defense gives you and just make the smart basketball play. Don't necessarily try to prove that you are a unicorn. Um, yeah. That, to me, is, you know, out of a young player... Don't try to prove yourself. Just come in, play your role, and uh, 
that to me is what he needs to improve on because it didn't look it did look like he was trying to almost just dominate games during summer league when he might not have that approach on an NBA level where he's not the best player on the floor most talented player on the floor but it is just it, it, it's what I put there down there um, sounds good fill in the blank Bam Adebayo will be the starting center blank in four seasons four seasons. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll take a while before he's able to, to become a, a starting star, if at all. Be in Miami? I, th- I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, all right, so best case, best worst case. case now, this is, this is an interesting one for you, for me. I, well, I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and put my generic statement Do out it. there. To me, the best case is that he manages that he can prove that he manages to prove he can guard multiple positions as a rookie, because that's the thing that we, we yeah. see explosive athleticism from him, but as far as his defense is concerned, whether he's not, he's able to understand when to switch, when to, to move on to smaller players. We think he can do it, um, but we just haven't seen, again, enough of a sample size. So for me, proving that he can and then getting enough playing time as a result, showing some of that versatility on offense, uh, I think will, you know, he, I think he possesses the best combination of athleticism and versatility, at least potential versatility, because I think he's more athletic than Olenek, who, who is a versatile scorer. Not as athletic as Whiteside, perhaps, but more versatile. If if we are to believe that his outside shooting is mm-hmm. is a real deal, what's your best case player comparison? So I have written down here Dwight Howard. Oh, uh, but what I like an eighty percent Dwight Howard. You know, not okay. all time center Dwight Howard, and people forget how good he really was at his peak. But he was an all time good center. Uh, but that similar. You know, good, great rim protection, which I think Adebayo has the, the 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 size, the length, and the quickness, and possibly the defensive yeah. instincts. We'll see for to do that, but more be just what he was able to do, what Dwight Howard was able to do defensively, as far as switching on to guys, coming all the way out on pick and rolls was such an important thing for Stan Van Gundy's defense when they were right. both in Orlando. Coming all in ways that Whiteside, you know, Spolstra has asked Whiteside to do, and Whiteside struggled with this. But coming all the way out and showing on pick and rolls, defending guys at that level, but also protecting the rim at an elite level, Adebayo has the quickness to do that. As far as switching on to other players, showing on pick and rolls in a way like Chris Bosh did for so many years um, for Miami when he was playing center. Uh, so I've got that, and as my worst case scenario, I've got Ekpi Udo. <laughs> okay. Two thousand number the sixth pick overall by the Warriors in twenty ten had all of this athleticism was a little bit of a surprise pick there at number six um, had all of this athleticism all of this raw talent he was really young was you know everybody was saying similar things like oh you didn't get a lot, all that playing time but he might you know he might be better than what he was able to show in college and he's, this, the sky's the limit for this guy that to me and then he just he flared out he just never made it in the league he fizzled out after a few seasons. That to me would be the worst case scenario for Bam is if he's all this raw talent just never materializes into something we see on the court. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I have him too. As far as his overall worst case is that he just doesn't get any playing time because he doesn't show that he has the defensive ability to do so. And then even at the G League, he just somehow fails to progress, yeah. and he winds up being a a very athletic player that just doesn't know how to tie it all together. And that's something we've seen across the league on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. Um. Next, we're comparing him to a player in Heat history. This one was tough because we just don't have a sample size with Bam. Um, oh. but See, I, I found this one pretty easy as far as a, a, okay. a, what did a you comparison. Have? I had Amar Stoudemire. That's amazing. I had Amar Stoudemire also. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think, look, stat, 
for for younger listeners that maybe don't remember when he first came into the league, et cetera, uh, you know, he was incredible, like right out of high school, but he already had the physical ability, not unlike Adebayo. I mean, Adebayo was he, like, he just turned 20 maybe, or he was 19 when he was drafted. 19 when he was I drafted. mean, in, yeah, incredibly athletic guy who could leap out of the gym, um, you know, has all this talent and skill. And looks I think like it's a natural person. Like he looks like he's right yes. in his peak, right? He looks like yes. a player in his prime. He's un- yeah. I mean, I, I got a chance to stand next to him. He's extremely muscular, very built. <laughs> uh, you know, a guy who is who doesn't look like your typical nineteen-year-old. So I mean, uh, and I think I think Stat was the same way. So you know, we're hoping for a little bit more versatility in his game, and he's probably not the explosive leaper that Stoudemire was in early his career, but that's probably the yeah. best comparison. I, I 100% agree, and just the way Stoudemire was able to be so versatile on offense, I think Bam has a lot of similar traits where he he's a, he could be a killer on pick and rolls, but he can also, yeah. you know, if that shoot, if the shooting ability is, is real, can knock it down from mid-range or even three-pointers, which Stoudemire started to do a little bit in his career, but even though that was not really a thing he was asked to do. Um, yeah, Stoudemire makes a lot of sense, and then Adebayo could even be better defensively than Stoudemire. And I love even the little things that Stat did really well, like setting really great screens and stuff. Like, he did that for his entire career, or not his entire career, I should say, but for as a veteran, he set really great screens. And if, yeah. and if Adebayo could do that too, set really great screens, and then just be able to roll to the rim hard. He can, yeah. There's a lot of flashes of Stoudemire there. Um, well, you know, it's interesting also to add to that, you know, who was the guy who really helped take Stoudemire's game to the next level? Alonzo Mourning. No, right. oh, no, I'm, or, no, and, and, and Phoenix. Oh, Steve Nash. Steve Nash, yeah, who compares. And who, who did he mentor in Phoenix? Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic. So Dragic yeah, has the opportunity to, to mold possibly the next Stoudemire. So I think that's something to look out for. What are we saying during our 2018 preview? You know, I'm not anticipating much because of that loaded front court there, but uh, I'm saying that he's he was forced to adapt too quickly, but I think he'll be much better this season. I've got, is it time to trade Whiteside? <laughs> so you're expecting big enough things from Adebayo where you can start looking at the expendability of, of Whiteside. I think he's going to show that we have flashes. Okay. And we we have a Linux at ten to twelve million a year, uh, right. throughout this four year contract that he just signed. We have Adebayo locked in at a rookie scale deal. The Heat look they're a team that are a move from being a move away. Yeah, you know, and that's because they don't have any draft picks. And if you look at their most valuable asset, it might be Hassan Whiteside. Now I don't know what teams would are willing to take a center. Uh, it's hard to trade centers, but Whiteside's rim protection is valuable. And that's going to be something that a lot of teams need. So if there's a team willing to trade a couple of draft picks, maybe a first rounder for, for Whiteside, I think the Heat should really consider trading them because, and I, I never want to see Whiteside leave, but it's just this, you know, it's just the way it is. You look at the roster, Adebayo potentially, and Olenek almost certainly are a better fit offensively for this team than Whiteside is. It's just, yeah. that's... Just look at the way this team is. You know, they provide a lot more spacing than Whiteside for Dragic and Waiters to get into the rim and kick out to their, t- their teammates. But if Adebayo shows flashes enough, specifically defensively, that Whiteside becomes expendable, I mm-hmm. think we're going to be asking that question because you've invested a four- the 14th pick in the draft in this guy. He is on a... If he lives up to his potential, you can have a huge bargain there as a unicorn-type player at center... 
and uh, you can move Whiteside and maybe get some of those draft picks that you might need to later turn into a, a superstar player that becomes available. So uh, that's what I have. Is it, is it time to trade Whiteside? Okay, sounds uh, good. What chain restaurant is he? Uh, let me hear yours first this time. So this was hard. <laughs> this okay, one was yeah. really hard. Uh, so I, I was looking for somebody that's young, unknown, but a lot of potential, Ooh. right? Okay. But there's obvi- right. there's also obvious um, competitors standing in his way. Okay. Know? So I've got Burgerfy. Ooh, one of my faves. Love Burgerfy. Little known. So do I. Ton of yes. potential. Uh, I don't know how many. I don't, do they even have 15 stores? I'm not even sure they do. Um, well, I, they've got one here in Gainesville. They've got one in Gainesville. Weird. They've got. I, mean, I know one they in, just uh, added one in Miami. I think they've got one in Miami Beach and maybe even in South Miami. So they're expanding. They're, oh, so there's two in Miami now because I knew there was one. Uh, I think yeah, I think there's two. There's they're up and coming, and, and then there's you know, one in Fort Lauderdale Beach too. Yeah, yeah. Look, they, their Cajun fries are right on par with Five Guys, and they've got one. Yes. And two veggie burgers for you vegetarian listeners out there. So that's that's impressive for me. Yeah, love BurgerFi. And look, the obvious competitors are Five Guys, Shake Shack. Uh, sure. You know, there's so many other burger places. But those are like the obvious ones, right? So Smash Burger. Smash Burger's out there. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, so if Bam Adebayo's BurgerFi, Hassan Whiteside's Five Guys, right? Ooh, so it's, They're the established competitor, yeah. The, yeah, the established competitor, obvious you know, positives. You know what you're getting. You know that you're going to walk into Five Guys, grab a thing of peanuts, order a double burger, and, and eat some Cajun fries or whatever. But yeah. Burger Fi is a little bit more, but possibly better, right? So um, I like some of their versatility. Like They've got like the, the, the BAD burger, breakfast all day. <sighs> Ooh, I have not had that one. I'm waiting Friend for them to Mike. open up a Burger Fi in California, in Northern yeah. California. That's crazy. It comes like, it's got like bacon on it, a fried egg, and a, a hash brown on oh, your man. burger, and it comes with like a like a syrupy glaze on it because breakfast, I guess. Oh, oh, nice. Hey, he, he, it was hard <laughs> for him to breathe after he had that one. Let me tell you, that was he did not look he did not look good. But he said, look, if I die now, it was worth it. It was it was every bite was great. So I was like, all right, that's up to you. What is your chain restaurant? Okay, so for me, there's a restaurant right down the road from me that was perfectly functional. And all of a sudden, one day to the next, completely demolished. Like, I mean, I, maybe I hadn't driven past it and I hadn't looked. But from one day to the next, it was closed for business and, and completely demolished. Three months later, because construction moves extremely quickly here in Gainesville for some reason, a brand new remodeled version of the exact same restaurant. And that restaurant to me is Burger King. Uh, <laughs> and I think comparison is, I, I heard about this, that Burger King was looking at the marketing of their product and that they were specifically targeting our listening audience, to be honest with you. Men in between ages 18 and 30, I think. Um, that was the, the key market group that they were looking at. And, and they changed their the facade of their building. Gone was the old brick facade. And now it's replaced with something a little bit more stylish and more hmm. manly looking, I guess. And so that's what they did to this perfectly functional restaurant as they tore it down. And I think for me, the comparison with Adebayo is that he was a really good player in Kentucky, but one that may have been limited somewhat. And so Miami is going to try to rebrand him into an outside shooter, more of a versatile scorer. But I think, unfortunately, when it comes down to it, he's basically just going to be a good fast food burger joint. And uh, he may not necessarily have that versatility. So it's something that I'm curious about. All right, FTK, what do you got? 
He's a keeper. Yeah. I, I think that's a, an obvious one. You know, for rookies, a, a reasonable deal. People have argued before that they provide the most valuable asset in the NBA. Guys that have talent and potential and are on reasonable contracts. And I think Adebayo certainly fits that mold. I have, I have keeper for now. You know, if he's if he flashes some ability and there is a team out there that's willing to trade a, a all star player and they are also intrigued by Adebayo's potential. I could see him getting lumped into a trade, but for now he is a keeper. Uh, I think you need to see what what he can do if you're the Heat, and if that leads to some other roster moves that you can make down the road. Uh, stat predictions. I only have, I have one simple thing. I said he'll play 40 games this year. Not bad. I have him at 45. Yeah. Um, and somewhere around 4.7 points and 2.5. So not you know still getting his feet wet, so to speak. All right, well, that's all we have for today. So we covered uh, Bama Adebayo and Goran Dragic on this two-a-day. On the next one, we'll have James Johnson and Tyler Johnson. That's coming up in a couple days. Um, that's all we have for now. You can get in touch with the show via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com where you can send us your mailbag questions, comments, or ask about advertising on the show. Reminder to send us your mailbag questions. We'll try to get one in this week at some point. Uh, you can send those to that email address or tweet them using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownEat. And if you're not subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.